All right, well, this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, we're going to verse 18 to verse 23, and the title is God is Near, God is Near, Matthew 1, 18 to 23. And as a kid, I used to hope for specific presents for Christmas, like, like I'm sure many of you used to do, and maybe you still do, you know, but, um, but during this month, every time we go to Walmart... You know, our, our girls look at all the toys and hope that they get the ones that they want for Christmas. Just a natural thing. And between our two girls, they, uh, they love Barbie dolls and Toy Story stuff. So, but growing up, there was a movie I used to always love. And every time we do a Christmas message, I talk about this movie. So here we go again. Um, called The Christmas Story. Have you heard of it? A Christmas Story. Yes. And uh, it was about a boy who desperately wanted a Red Ryder BB gun. But what did everyone keep saying? Yes, wow, you guys are good. Yeah, you shoot your eye out. Yes, but, but the boy who wanted the gun, what's his name? Ralphie. Ralphie, yeah, Ralphie. He hoped, he hoped so hard to get that Red Ryder BB gun. It, the whole movie was dedicated to Ralphie getting that gun. It was his whole life, his whole world, if you will. And so naturally, when I was a kid who was highly influenced by, uh, and inspired by a Christmas story, I wanted a BB gun for Christmas, and my mom said, no way. And my dad said, maybe. So I was like, I didn't know for sure. Um, so I was left in suspense. But I remember that Christmas morning. I still remember it. I opened all my presents, getting the typical you know, socks from grandma and some toys that I'd probably play with for a couple hours and then get bored with. And after I opened all my presents, I was a bit sad. You know, so I didn't get that Red Rider BB gun that I was hoping to get. And that's the only gift I have my heart set on getting. That's it. And I, and I didn't get it. I was quietly devastated and sad. But I was, I was trying to act happy and grateful, you know, to, with the presents I actually received. And then, and then my dad said, you know, what's that present over there in the corner? Like after it was all said and done, what's that, what's that present? I looked in the corner and there was this long skinny wrap present leaning up against the corner wall, something like this. It was just like this, leaning on the corner and it was shaped like a BB gun. I was like, could it be? You know, you're just so excited as a kid. And, and I was shocked. I was in anticipation. And so, so I walked slowly over to get this present. And lo and behold, it had my name on it, you know. And I looked at my present, and, and they said, go, go on. Go ahead, Mike. Open it, just like the Christmas story. And I wasted no time. I ripped the thing open. I'm not going to do it now because I don't want to break anything. But I, I opened the present, right? I ripped it open. <laughs> and I got I was like eight years old. And I got my Red Rider BB gun. I got it. I got my gun. And this is, actually, this is actually the gun that I actually got when I was eight years old. My dad, sorry, my dad sent it to me um, a few months ago. And, you know, he had, to, he had to take it apart, but he sent it to me. And, and when I got it, I was just like, oh, my world was made, you know. And as an eight-year-old, you just think, this is it. This is all I want. My life is complete. And, uh, but I was at Walmart a few months ago, or probably like six months ago, and I saw the same gun for $19.99. And it's not as valuable when you're older, you know? But when you're a kid, you're just like, this is everything to me. And after all these years, I still vividly remember getting this gun. And, and that Christmas day, my dad taught me how to safely shoot the gun. We had a back porch, you know? We put like, um, I got like some cans, you know, and, and some, some bottles and some jars. And, and he taught me how to like point and shoot and aim all that. And it was just like, it was awesome. I was so happy. But the gift was a huge blessing. But when I received it, I had such joy. I don't want to put this gun. 
Um, I had such joy. It's not loaded. Don't worry. It's to be begun. Um, I had such joy, but it led to my dad and I sort of um, growing closer together as he was showing me how to shoot and everything, and, and it brought us close, you know? And through the years, my dad and I have, have drawn closer in our relationship, and, and it's been a blessing because we're both believers now, and uh, it's been awesome to connect. And so, uh, sorry, information. Um, but on a deeper level, when we draw near to God, that relationship is like no other. You know, James 4.8 says something so simple but so telling. James 4.8 tells us that when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. So simple. We've been given the best gift in this universe, and it is a gift that has everything to do with drawing near to God and knowing that God is not only near, he's with us always. And so today we're going to look at the birth of Jesus, which has everything to do with the relationship to God. And our hope is not in a present, our hope is in a person. So we're going to see this morning from Scripture that ultimately Jesus was birthed on this earth so that we could be connected to the creator of the universe. That is just an the most epic message ever. So again, the title of this morning's message is God is Near. And so the birth of Jesus, it demonstrated that God actually wanted and he wants to be close to those he created. Jesus is a tangible person who was born, grew up, walked this earth, lived, died, rose again, so a relationship could be birthed between you and God. I mean, that's so awesome. So we have hope that is sure we have promises that are true and that came to pass, and we know that his presence is with us wherever we go. So that's the hope that does not disappoint. So the birth of Jesus was the greatest gift given to us, and it led to a nearness to God that is out of this world. So let's pray, and then we'll look at these verses, and we'll talk about these things this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity to connect, and just that your presence is here with us, Lord. You're so good, and we thank you for your goodness, for your love, and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 23 says, Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to, your, to marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she would bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So the first point is God's promises. The birth of Jesus had already been prophesied in the Old Testament. Now there's a lot of prophecies about the birth of Jesus, but let me just read you a couple. Isaiah 7, 14, and again, Isaiah was written between 700 and 800 years before Jesus was even born. Isaiah 17 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There are so many Old Testament prophecies about Jesus that are so clear and detailed. 
and every detail was fulfilled, and every promise came to pass that Jesus would be born. And I just imagine Mary kind of like tripping out a little bit, right? Like, she knew the scripture. She was faithful, right? And so I just imagine her kind of tripping out, like, those scriptures were about me. I mean, talk about pressure. Like, wow, Lord, talk about mind-blowing. I mean, it's just hard to even imagine. But, but God fulfilling all of his promises should give us pure confidence that what God has personally promised us will actually come to pass. You don't have to wonder if God is with you. You know, you don't have to question it. You don't have to wonder if God's promises will come to pass. They will. He's a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. Remember when you were a kid and you were trying to convince your friend that you pay them back? Just $5, just give me, or maybe a dollar. When I was a kid, a dollar was a lot. So I was like, just a dollar, I'll pay you back. I want to get that candy bar. You promised, you did everything you could. I swear, you just, everything you could to try to get them, reassure them like, I will pay you back, right? Or you can borrow the video game. Please let me borrow the video game. I will give it back to you. But sometimes the video games are gone. The money never is returned, right? Promise breakers. But, but with the Lord, we can be sure God's promises will come to pass. Because what? He has a track record of perfect. He has a perfect track record. That's a pretty good track record. Count on your creator to give promises and then to actually fulfill them. He will fulfill them. God used Mary greatly to bring Jesus into the world. And so from the beginning... It's been about the Lord desiring to draw near and be close to his kids, not a cold, faraway, impersonal God. He wants to draw near to us. He wants us to know, hey, I'm with you. My presence is wherever you go that I am there. Like, so God's promise is pretty amazing. And number two, we see God's miracles. Jesus' birth was miraculous. It was miraculous. A virgin with child by the Holy Spirit? That sounds pretty crazy to those who don't believe, but many times God's calling seems crazy. Now, I always think it's a bit crazy that God called us from Los Angeles to Lower Alabama to start this church. Like, but the families that were here praying specifically for a Calvary Chapel, they didn't think that was crazy. They're like, that's exactly what we've been praying for. See, we have to remember God's miracles rise above logic, right? They don't always make logical sense, yet God can part whole bodies of water. He can make the sun stand still. He can give you victory when it seems like you're outnumbered. I don't know how many times I've heard doctors say, that person, they should have been dead, but somehow they are alive and they're not sick anymore. Now, maybe they won't admit it's a miracle, but they're just, like, astounded. Like, this doesn't make sense. They're, they're fine. The tumor's gone. They're healed. I don't get it. We didn't even do anything. They, they just, it's gone. One of my friends, a pastor of Calvary Chapel, Baton Rouge, he had a rare form of cancer. Uh, only about one out of, like, 10 million people get this type of cancer, and, and almost... All of them died. And five years ago, they told him he had, a, he had a, a month, like a few months to live, a couple months to live. It was a short amount of time. And so they did chemo. They did surgery. He made it through. He's alive and is fine today. In fact, he's cancer-free. But he remembers. He, he told me, he's like, I, was, I called the doctor one time in the midst of finding out about this cancer. And I asked the doctor, well, how many, pa- how many patients have, have had this cancer and how many have made it through? Like, what did they do? He's like, I don't know. They are all dead. Like, he found that in the midst of him having this cancer. And so, talk about a hope killer. You know what I'm saying? Talk about, no, that, that's, that's discouraging news. But guys, God can and work miracles in your life, just like he did for Mary, just like he did for my friend Pastor Paul, just healed him. He is one of the few that actually is alive, still going strong, teaching the word. It's crazy. But when you simply believe a whole spiritual 
realm is opened up to you. You begin to realize all things are actually possible with God. You know, you begin to realize and you see miracles because God actually wants to work in your life. He wants to be involved. He wants to be part of your life. He wants to lead your life. God wants to work in and on your heart. He wants to go close and personal, and that's a good thing. And so God is near. So God's promises, God's miracles, and the third thing we see is God's protection. The Lord protected Joseph and Mary for the whole journey. So not only is God near, not only is he guiding us, he's with us and he's protecting us every step of the way. Why? Because he's close. He wants to be close because he loves us. Mary and Joseph, they walk by faith, and God protected them along their journey. Joseph found out Mary was pregnant, and they had, had no relation, so he naturally freaked out. He said, I'm done with this. You know, he was going to divorce her quietly because he wasn't going to humiliate her, but still he was crushed. Yet, in God's covering and protection for Joseph and Mary, he sent an angel to make clear to Joseph that this was all part of the plan. This is all part of the plan. Don't be afraid. So God protected Joseph and Mary from splitting up and made sure Joseph was assured and knew this baby was from the Lord. Mary was not unfaithful. She was completely faithful to the Lord. So Joseph believed he was comforted, and of course they stayed together. So God's protection includes God giving us assurances. Something may happen in your life that you do not like or or do not agree with. You may go through pain or heartache or unbelievably intense trials or something stresses you out and you want to put that situation, I want to put this situation away quietly, you know, because it seems like just so much trouble. I'm done with it. But then the Lord assures you, you know, as you seek him. And you re-realize that God is near to the brokenhearted, to the struggling, to the ones who suffer and are in pain. He's near to them. As you look to God, your heart goes from stressed to settled as God assures you and protects you so you can move forward in the faith and not be stuck. God's love is proof that he is near and he is with us and that he wants to be with us. God actually wants to commune with you. He wants to spend time with you. God wants to commune with you. Thomas Edison said this. Thomas Edison said, many of life's failures are people who do not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. You could be walking in God's will, and it's going smooth, but then there seems to be danger ahead. The road of God's plan, it's not always smooth. It may include unexpected situation or a violent storm on the road ahead, but that doesn't mean we turn around and go the opposite way. If the road of God's will includes difficulties, you can bet your life on the fact that he will protect you as you live out his purposes for you. Just like Mary and Joseph, they were protected as God was with them, through this journey of Jesus' birth. So we see God's promises. We see God's miracles, his protection. And next we see God's presence, Emmanuel. This word has brought comfort from century to century for all believers. Right? We can have hope that God is with us now and forever. Wherever we go, whatever we do, he's with those who believe. He said it so we can believe it. In a sense, we need to take God at his word. He said it. We just need to believe it and then live it out and walk in it. Maybe at times it feels like God forgot about you. You know, maybe at times it seems like God is distant and doesn't really care about what you're facing. The title, Emmanuel, it reminds us that God is always with those who believe, always. Through life, we kind of realize who our our true friends are, don't we, as we go through life? If everything's going great, everyone hangs around with us. But the first sign of conflict that you're having, those who are not your real friends, they're out. Oh, I don't want to deal with that. I'm out. 
They don't deal with anything serious so that they, get, they, they leave. Real friends are those who stick by you when you're at your worst. Real friends are near even when you're going through the fire. And that's the thing. God will never abandon you, no matter what you face. That's God's heart for his kids. And it's demonstrated in the lives of Mary and Joseph. You know, God is there to help you, not hurt you. And I love what uh, Tim, or Paul said. Paul said this in, uh, or in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17, Paul said this. He said, at my first defense of the faith, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. Everyone ran away from Paul. They all, all, all the people he thought were his ministry partners, his friends, everyone, they're gone. It's just Paul again. And he said, may it not be charged against them. But his heart was not, not that they would be condemned. He wanted them forgiven, even though they abandoned him. But he said, but the Lord stood with me. And he strengthened me. I love that. The Lord stood with me. That's really, that's what Paul cared about. He wasn't living to please his friends or the people that were ministering with him. He was living to please God. He said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached through me. So he understood it wasn't about all this exterior stuff. It was about the gospel. It was about getting the truth out to people. See how confident, look how confident Paul was that even when everyone abandoned him, when his life got difficult, he knew that God was still with him. And that's the question for us. Do we know that today? God is still with you. Isaiah 41.10 makes it clear. The Lord says in Isaiah 41.10, God says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So this is God's heart right here. He's not harsh. He's there to help. You know, he, he's not far from you. He is with you no matter what. So Emmanuel, God was with Mary and Joseph through this, and your creator is with you always. So we see God's promises, his miracles, his protection, his presence. And number five, we see God's plan. I'm going to read you uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 7. Luke 2, verse 7, it says this. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So this was all part of God's plan. See, it seems that the world had no room for Jesus, even like it kind of does today, right? It seems like the world has no room for Jesus. But it's all part of the plan. Remember, he started from humble beginnings. Small town, poor parents, nothing flashy. Now, from a judgmental worldview, people would have paid no mind or even ignored Joseph and Mary. Oh, they're just poor, poor people, you know. In the world's eyes, they were nothing special. But in God's eyes, Mary and Joseph were his children whom he loved, which was why Mary and Joseph raised Jesus. There was no room for them in the end, but that didn't stop Jesus being born. Jesus was born into a world that would largely reject him. They would torture him. They would crucify him. And God knew that from the beginning. Yet Jesus was born anyway. The world's rejection would not stop God's love from being poured out onto this world. Love came down to a dark world because God wanted to draw near to his children. Joseph and Mary, they were a godly couple who wanted to do things God's way. And as they sought the Lord, this was his plan for them. And that's the thing. Do you see them complaining or regretting their circumstances? Do you see them grumbling or going, why, Lord, why can't things be better? I don't want to do this. No. 
You see them bring Jesus into the world, and Mary even sings a beautiful song after Jesus was born, praising the Lord for the blessings that she was given. She understood that God was right there with her every step of the way, every step. Through the doubt when she was pregnant to the manger where she gave birth to the journey safely afterwards, God was near. He was near. And next we see hope that we can respond to. So again, if you have your Bibles at Luke chapter 2, we're going to read verses 11 to 14. We'll see hope that we can respond to. We'll talk about the shepherds here. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Luke chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. It says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be given a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So how did the angels respond to Jesus' birth? with praise, with adoration, with worship. See, Jesus was born, the angels showed up, and they praised God for what he had done. And I think responding to the Lord in worship, in thankfulness and gratefulness and adoration is so appropriate, no matter what season of life you're in. You know, knowing Jesus was born for you and for me should cause such adoration towards God. And and listen to Psalm 34. I want this psalm to sort of speak for itself. It's really showing that we can praise God no matter what. Psalm chapter 34, verse 1 to 8. I'm just going to read it to you. Psalm chapter 34, verse 1 to 8, it says this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encaps all around those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Wow, we can praise God on the mountaintop. We can praise and worship God in the valley. Location should not matter or should not dictate our hearts of adoration towards God. In other words, we can praise God perpetually all the time, no matter what situations we face. The birth of Jesus was not a smooth time for Joseph and Mary. It, we watched a nativity story, and sure, they had a little conflicts, but it was a nice little, nice little time, you know? It's like, oh, praise the Lord, everything. It was difficult for them. It was, it was not easy. They were, they were on the run. They were sought after. There was no room for them in the end. Joseph and Mary were poor. They looked at them like, what, she's pregnant, they're, not, they're only betrothed, what's good? People judged them, like they were, it was not easy for them. But still, promises were fulfilled, angels were rejoicing, and the shepherds marveled. See, God would stop at nothing to break through this dark world to shine his light and have a relationship with his kids. I would just say, don't let your circumstances dictate your level of worship. Praise him through the stormy weather, worship him through the clear days. And if you look ahead, you'll become downcast. Your countenance will drop because life can be difficult. But if you look up first, then you're going to realize and re-realize that you have so much to be thankful for. If you just sat down and thought about it and and stepped aside from this chaotic world and made a list, you're like, the list just keeps going. 
But sometimes we forget it. Maybe sometimes we take it for granted. We have so much to be thankful to God for. You and I are in the midst of God's blessings, in the midst, in the middle, and for that, we can respond to him in praise. And lastly, you guys, we look at the future, the future. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 to 12, last point is the future. Matthew 2, 11 and 12. And it says, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way, the future. So we see these gifts by the wise men, which foretold who Jesus would actually be. These presents represented the promises presence represented the promises that would be fulfilled. Number one is gold, right? Jesus would be a king that, that we can confidently follow. Not a king that came to overthrow the Roman government, but a spiritual king that would pave the way for those who believe so they can be in paradise with him, like he told the thief on the cross. Gold, he's a king. Frankincense is a second gift. Jesus would be our high priest. He was the mediator and is the mediator between God and man, the one who we go through to to actually communicate to God and be saved and set up for heaven. And then we have myrrh. Jesus would make the ultimate sacrifice. So Jesus would die for humanity so that sins would be eradicated forever. And there is a pattern here. And the pattern is love. The pattern is love. That's the motivation for God creating you. Love. Love was born in a manger for you. Love grew up, was beaten, and died for you. Love was put in the tomb and rose a third day for you. Love ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and is forever making intercession for you. Why? Because God wants a real-life relationship with you. And that's the point. God is near. And that's the thing. Do we believe that today? He's near. You might not feel like it. Circumstances might not demonstrate that. But it doesn't matter about our circumstances or our feelings. What matters is that God promised it, God said it, and so it's true. He is with you, no matter what you feel, no matter where you're at in life. God is with you. He is near. He loves you. Emmanuel means God with us. And maybe you've been doubting that God is with you. Maybe you've been anxious or stressed out this season of life, and you feel like God has abandoned you. Maybe you haven't had rest or peace in your heart for a long time, and you feel alone, you know? It's time to draw near to God as he draws near to you. He loves you, hasn't forsaken you. Maybe you've done stuff in the past that you think about and you cringe. You're like, oh, but I did all those things. God's like, but I forgive you for those. Time to forgive yourself in a sense and move forward. Stop being stuck in the past. He's forgiven you. He's forgiven me. I'm so happy. I think about my you know, life before Christ and I'm like, Lord, thank you for your grace. I was an idiot, you know, because I did some stuff that I'm not proud of. Uh, but thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Thank you that you don't give up. Why'd you choose me? I don't know, but Lord, you did. And so I thank you. I love you. And I want to live for you. And so if you're in here this morning and you're saved and maybe you're discouraged, be encouraged that God wants to lift you up. He wants to raise your, your lower countenance. He's, gonna, he's promised it. He's going to fulfill it. We should be so, so optimistic as believers because we are saved and set apart in this world for heaven. And so draw near to God. Now's the time. God loves you. Jesus' birth is real, is a real demonstration of love, tangible love. Please know that today, you guys. 